I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 50, in which we do some thread painting. I have a great interview with Lawrence Granfetto, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, who is our teacher for our thread painting class at my recent quilt retreat. A little bit more about that later. Uh, First of all, I'm going to be keeping this very brief tonight, other than the interview. It's actually about 11 o'clock p.m. as I'm recording this, and I have to hop a plane tomorrow morning. Uh, The only reason I'm actually recording this now rather than earlier is I am, of course, still doing laundry so that I can have all the stuff I need to pack. Don't we always leave that until the last minute? Um, I do have a quick uh, errata that I need to... um, I should... That's errata, (laughs) E-R-R-A-T-A... sounded a little bit like I was saying something else, which I wasn't. Uh, But in my last episode, episode 49, in which we went on retreat, I had said that the Serengeti pattern was by Tony Malloy. And I don't know who I know named Tony Malloy for some reason. I've made that mistake multiple times talking about the Serengeti pattern. Uh, The name of the designer was Tony Whitney. Uh, I did post the correct information on the show notes to the episode, but I said it wrong in the episode, and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned the correct name on this episode as well. It is Tony Whitney, who is the designer of the Serengeti pattern. And whoever Tony Malloy is and why ever that name is stuck in my head, I don't know. Hello, maybe you're a listener. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, In any case... um, The other thing that some of you have noticed is going on that I did just want to give a a quick mention to. Um, I don't know if I quite want to say I'm giving a shout out to Jay yet or if I'm going to be holding her accountable. One or the other uh, time will tell. Um, Jay has talked me into doing hexagons. Many of you have heard of, uh, you know, I've mentioned Jay. Other podcasters, Francis, Pam, have mentioned Jay. She listens to all of us, which we all love, and she leaves fantastic comments, and then she talks us into doing things. So um, actually, Pam and I are both in conversations with Jay now about doing some sort of a hexagon quilt along. Um, I had posted in my quilting blog about Jay talking me into doing hexagons uh, this week, and a couple of people did say, hey, could I do this too? And then um, Pam saw this conversation and asked if she could be part of it. So uh, Jay and Pam and I are currently sort of in conversations trying to figure out if there's any way we can record this and and do it as podcast episodes or whatever. Uh, That's still under discussion, partly because I'm about to head out of town, and then right when I get back, Pam heads out of town, so we're having problems getting all our schedules together. But in any case, you will be invited to play along, uh, and Jay assures me that all of this will be much easier than I ever thought it would be. And just so you know, we're doing hexagons, not sort of the traditional template version and as far as I know not hand piecing anyway Jay has never mentioned hand piecing uh, that we're actually cutting the hexagons using um, what I believe is a K wood method which is much much easier it makes a whole lot of sense I was telling my husband you know some of these things sometimes you say well you know why haven't we figured this out a long time ago um but in any case, that it's a way of doing it in strips, and you fold the strips, and then you cut it using a, a triangle ruler. It does not require a special T ruler. It does require a ruler with certain sort of um, 
not standards. <laughs> All these rulers with the highest standards need apply. Um, in any case, we'll tell you more about that as we go. But if you're interested in doing hexagons, keep an eye on my blog. Maybe keep an eye on uh, Jay's blog. She's also been doing hexagons herself and has some links to some other great hexagon quilts that other folks are doing. So if you're a little intrigued by this, go ahead and check my blog, check her blog, um, pay attention to what's going on, and we will keep you posted as we work out the details of how all this is going to work. So I think that's it for my introduction. I also want to say I'm not going to be doing listener comments this week. Again, trying to keep this short. and uh, But I will catch up with everybody next week when I am back in town. I leave tomorrow morning, uh, which is Sunday morning, as I'm recording this on Saturday night. Um, May 21st is as I'm recording this in 2011. I'm sorry, I always forget to give the date. It is May 21st, 2011, 11 o'clock p.m., actually 11.02 p.m. now, uh, Eastern Time, for those of you who need to get oriented in your time-space continuum. Uh, And so tomorrow morning I leave, and I don't get back until Friday night. So I'm hoping on Saturday I will be able to put up another podcast episode. I already have the interview, as I've told you. It's with um, Charlotte from my guild on Scrap Quilts. So again, uh, she did most of the work for me on that one, so it shouldn't take me that long to put that podcast episode together. And if I'm awake and able to really do it justice, I will do listener comments at that point. Um, If not, I may post a special episode a little bit after that (laughs) to catch up with everybody. Um, It's just been a busy couple of weeks. Sorry, folks. But I am paying attention to comments that are coming, and I know I've got a couple of new listeners, which is very exciting always, so thank you. Um, And thank you to everybody who's been posting reviews on iTunes. And just as always, thanks for listening at all. (laughs) It's really nice that that people are listening to me as I talk by myself in my office with a headset on. In any case, please do keep talking to me. I will have intermittent email access while I'm gone, uh, but those times when I do have email access, I will be anxious for a flare from the outside world, so it'll be nice to hear from you this week, even though I might not always be able to respond. In any case, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the, to let me set up this interview. Um, as I mentioned at my quilt retreat last weekend, we uh, set up a thread painting class for any of those of us who wanted to do it. And I think there were about five of us. Um, there were supposed to be six, but one poor woman was just coming down for the class itself and she got lost. This retreat center is, um, oh, way out. <laughs> It's, you know, as a lot of retreat centers are, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. A very, very pretty nowhere, and as you know from the last episode, a nowhere that has a very nice quilt shop now quite close to it. So you can't be too nowhere if you've got a nice uh, quilt shop nearby. Uh, But in any case, we had this uh, Saturday afternoon, I think it was about four or five hours long, we did this thread pinning class, and it was was really a hoot. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, I particularly enjoyed doing it with members of my guild. You know, it's always fun to know everybody else in the class, and we're all kind of rooting each other on and talking about different projects we all know we're working on, and gee, you know, are you going to be able to do thread pinning on that one and that kind of thing? So it was a lot of fun. Uh, The teacher was Lawrence Granfetto. And again, I have her actually pronounce her own name in the interview, so you'll get it right that time. Presumably she does pronounce her own name correctly. Uh, She was really charming, a lot of fun. She was very easy to talk to. Um, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. Uh, We are not going to really be teaching you how to thread paint in this interview. Uh, As most of the episodes that I post, I'm hoping to just intrigue you and make you want to know more. Um, 
And eventually down the road, I will get to the point where I can point you in the direction of some resources. I do have some very good thread painting books on my shelf. I just don't have time to pull them all out and give you the references tonight, but I will try to catch up with that later. And of course, in the comments, those of you who um, do know thread painting do have resources. You can always uh, recommend your own as well. So for now, let us get on to the interview. Here we go. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Lawrence Grantetto, and I'm a quilter. I've been quilting for many, many years, uh, mainly more wall quilts rather than traditional bed quilts. Okay. Did you start out with doing traditional bed quilts? I did. And then into the... Discovered that they never got finished. <laughs> so, and then um, took some classes and discovered that I really like to do the smaller uh, wall quilts, pictorial quilts, or mixed media type things. Okay. Um, let me backtrack a little bit. The reason I'm even talking to you today is that you came to teach a class here at our retreat yes. um, in thread painting or thread play. So how long have you been working in the with thread painting and doing that kind of technique? Probably a good 15 years, I okay. would say. And how long have you been quilt making altogether? Probably 20-ish. Okay, so you got into the thread play stuff fairly early on. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Once I discovered that, my other quilts were not getting done. <laughs> I can I can understand why. I mean, you and I talked a little bit during the class about, um, you know, traditional quilts and kind of... I hate to talk about following rules because there really aren't as many rules out there as everybody says there are. Um, but with thread play, you really just sort of experiment and see what happens. That's true. That's true. And I was told a long time ago... Learn the rules, do the rules a little bit, and then break the rules. Mm -hmm. And I like to do things where maybe there's not so many rules. Mm -hmm. And you had said you um, have progressed now. You're starting to play around a little bit more with the mixed media kind of thing. You want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with that now? Yeah. Um, Well, I've sort of been trying to do these um, pieces with a canvas, a ready-made canvas, and then um, making pieces that are, are sewn but then also adding paint and found objects and maybe even experimenting a little bit with all this encaustic wax that everybody's talking about mm-hmm. now. So I'm hoping to uh, explore all that in the next few weeks or months and see what I can come up with. Probably a big mess in my studio. <laughs> Probably. More than likely. <laughs> it sounds like the further you progress, the more of a mess you make as you go along. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Throw in a little cat hair and you've got a really good mix there. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk a little bit about thread um, thread play, thread painting itself, because that's the class I just came out of. Um, what? How did you first start playing with that? I mean, what really kind of grabbed you about that to begin with? Well, moving away from traditional quilting and then getting into wall quilts, I took a few classes. I actually took a class where uh, we were going to make a pictorial quilt. And that's kind of where my interest laid with trying different threads and just seeing what would happen and how much texture you could get on something. And uh, like we just did in class, trying it, uh, threads in the bobbin to get a heavier um, texture on the top of your piece. Um, and just started playing and experimenting. I, I broke a lot of needles. <laughs> <laughs> broke a lot of needles. A lot of pieces kind of ended up in the trash. Or... I kept them just to remind me what I did mm-hmm. and not to do that again or that I liked it and to do that again. So Yeah, you talked about having, um, well, the, the one book you showed us as a resource, uh, which helped me remember we should mention <laughs> towards the end of the episode, but um, 
you had said you would like to create yourself some sort of a binder, or maybe you've already done some of that. Yeah, I, I have done that when um, I was learning how to do image transfer. And I just kept sort of like a fabric notebook. Each page was just fabric. I kept my mistakes. I kept my good uh, pieces in there, made notes on the page so that later on, you know, even if it was six months later, I could refer back to it and know what I did or didn't do that worked or didn't work. <laughs> okay, and, that, and that's what's and, interesting is that you not only kept the stuff that did work, you kept the stuff that didn't oh yeah, work as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, stuff is too expensive nowadays to keep repeating a mistake when, you know, all that's costing you money. Mm -hmm. So, And you created, the, the way you did your binder, you mentioned something about... Um, putting holes through grommets on the side and then with a... Yeah, um, grommets are very easy. Any scrapbooking section has um, grommets and you can... Uh, there's like this little crocodile thing that you can set them or there's cheaper little setters and that just keeps your page from the edges disintegrating when you're you know putting it in kind of the ring binder type of thing. Okay. So yeah, that was a useful better. tip because I've heard about people doing that, but I I couldn't picture yeah. how it works. So when a book is that thick, which this in this case this one is, you do have to kind of do a ring binder type of thing. Uh, if it's a thinner book, you can always sew the pages together, but um, the grommets do let the pages hold up better. Okay. Um, all right. So when you had us thread painting today, we were working on a photograph that had been printed on the fabric paper. Right. But that's not the way you typically work when you do your wall hangings. No, typically I take a picture, like my say my cat, I will blow it up to the size I want. I will make a tissue um, tracing of the features of the cat. And then I use it as my pattern and I pick out fabrics that will match, you know, how the cat looks. If it's an orange cat, I pick out fabrics that'll match the orange and maybe the shadows and that kind of thing and I tend to do it with fabric rather than printing it on the okay. on the fabric. And you mentioned that finding the fabric for any one given project is probably the longest part of that the project? That is the longest part of the process believe it or not. Putting it all together once you have the right things really I mean it could take some time but picking the fabrics I'll agonize for weeks if I don't find the right right thing so so do you have kind of several projects sort of going at various stages at oh, once yeah. you kind of whenever you're out you have I have several projects going on at the same time okay. <laughs> yes. and do you keep um like when you're out shopping do you keep the photograph with you or something for reference if you're trying to do you have like a little swatch book um, how do you organize yourself typically I just buy fabrics I like and I have them organized on shelves in general color ways I'm not, you know, it's not all ironed and in neat piles or anything, but just in general colors, just so I know, okay, here are all my kind of oranges, yellows, and then I'll just go there and see if I have something that'll work. If it doesn't work, then yes, I will take my reference and go out to the store and pick something that'll go better. Okay. And do you find when you're doing the, um, the applique part of your Threadplay projects, um, do you find solids or tone-on-tones or modeled? I mean, what do you, you know, tend to prefer? When I first started out, I thought, oh, you know, all, I had all these solids, and I thought, oh, these are going to look great. Well, they don't. When you're doing something like that, it really helps to have a little pattern in the fabric. It doesn't have to be tone-on-tone, -tone, although that works very nicely. 
but definitely a little bit and smaller, smaller um, little swirls or like even uh, fabric that has a, a grass pattern on it that you could use in a tree even. And don't forget the flip side of the fabric either because mm -hmm. sometimes that's the perfect thing and you've overlooked it because who looks at the back side? <laughs> right, so. right. And with landscape quilts or even the, the animal pictorial quilts, um, having that texture then also kind of can guide you in terms of your thread painting as well after the fact. Right, right. Yeah, that's so. what I was learning today. Yeah. <laughs> um, if someone did want to do the photo print on fabric, mm -hmm. um, what are some tips you might have or things that people will need to keep in mind when they're doing that? Well, what I've learned is from another class that I took is there are some printers that work better than others because they use a different kind of ink. And if it's okay to mention, mm -hmm. um, I use an Epson printer. Not all Epson printers have pigment inks, but a lot of them do. So you have to look for that. Pigment inks give you a much nicer um, image than dye inks. So that would be my tip. Okay. And you um, don't have any particular preference in terms of the, the actual fabric um, printer paper? No, <laughs> I used, never know what to call it. No, I've used all different brands of the, um, the pre-made fabric sheets, mm -hmm. and they all seem to work quite well. Okay. So. And then today you had... Um, we did not fuse our photo to the um, stabilizer. We right. just kind of <laughs> stitched it down, basically. Right. Right. Uh, so what kind of stabilizer and any tips or different types for different uses, anything like that? I mean, there's many, many of them out there. I personally like to use um, Pelon Peltex, number 70 or 71, and um, that just seems to keep everything more stable. I would recommend still ironing you know, constantly when you're working on something that's heavily thread, okay. uh, just because it keeps it uh, flatter. Yeah, that was something I hadn't really thought about before, is that it does tend to pucker it up as you're doing it, so the it more, does. and you said a lot of steam. Yes, okay. I use a lot of steam, and I just iron, iron, iron. <laughs> but you also put a um, pressing sheet over the top of it before you? I do. I think of it as an applique pressing yeah, sheet, but it's, it's like a Teflon. It's a um, Teflon, Teflon okay. sheet, yes. Okay. Um, I also have problems when I use the Teflon sheet, and then I forget about the steam is going to come back oh, and hit me in the face because yeah, yeah. I'm hitting that Teflon sheet. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little trick that Maybe we all learn. Maybe steam more direct on the piece than on the Teflon sheet. <laughs> um, all right, and then you finish your uh, pieces in a variety of ways. You've When you do the uh, thread painting, then you will you basically use that as an applique. Then you, you put it onto a background, typically. Yeah, if you're going to do a separate applique piece, then you can attach, like if you're doing um, a little animal and you want to put it on a, a background, you can do your background separate, the animal separate, that helps eliminate a lot of the wrinkling also, um, and then you can just um, place that on your background where you want it, and then stitch around the edge, or maybe stitch a little in the center, and then that just tacks it onto your background. Okay. And I don't want to give away your whole class, but you did also show us things about um, using solvy and dissolving things and creating sort of textural elements then oh, yeah. that you can put on there for oh, yeah. 3D effects. And... 3D's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I got to play with that a little bit. It was fun. Um, and like you said, putting things into the bobbin. Yes. Um, yeah. That, that just blows me away. I love that. It's, and it's kind of a surprise because you don't know what's happening while you're doing right. it you <laughs> until you turn it over. That's right. <laughs> Only until you flip it over. 
Um, and the other thing that uh, happened during class today is my tension was off when I first started, and we actually decided we liked the look, so then I just flipped my piece over and did it intentionally. Right. Um, and as we said, there's no mistakes, just Happy a design ex- decision. Happy accident. Yeah, des- design decision. Yeah, I like that. Let's go with it. Yeah. That was great. All right, so we've talked a little bit about your fabric stash and what kinds of fabrics you tend to look for, but obviously if you're doing thread play, you're also going to be looking for threads, yes. yarns for couching, all that kind of stuff. So anything, what tips would you have for that? I I am not, I don't use one particular thread. Cotton, polyester, metallic, the heavier threads, there's like a bulky nylon, um, any of those. I just, I look at the project I'm working on and I just decide what, you know, I think is going to look the best and that's what I use. I'm not too picky about using one particular thing. I do tend to keep it simple. 90% of the time I use the zigzag stitch or straight stitch uh, and use just pretty much regular cotton or polyester thread. So Right, and we also talked about the sewing machine feet. You keep it pretty simple there as well. Yep, I use um, either a walking foot or my free motion foot. That's pretty much what I use. It was interesting because, you know, I've been looking into thread painting and I've messed around with it a little bit, but all the books sort of intimidated me because it felt like you needed all of these different needles and all of these different threads and you had to keep straight exactly what worked for what. And today you had kind of a real stripped down version. (laughs) Well, I think that... um, you know, if you buy a book, they want to point out all the possibilities because they're trying to, to give you information. But I also think through your own experimentation, you decide what works for you and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I just like to keep it kind of the basics. And and price comes into play. You know, we're all trying to save money. And uh, if you can do the same thing, basically, without having to have the extra foot or whatever, then I say go for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You even had the the one that really surprised me was um, putting two threads through a needle at the same time. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I know about the double needle, but uh-huh. I've never seen the two threads through a single needle. And you, yeah. but you used a different needle for that. That was uh, embroidery needle okay. has a little bit bigger eyes, so um, those of us that are visually challenged <laughs> can get them both through. And I would say hold them together, clip the end so it's both the same length, and then put them through the the eye of the okay. needle. And that just gave a little extra heft and texture and even a little bit of a color because you used, I think, two shades of the same color in that one. Right. So it was really interesting. Do you have any, you know, words of wisdom, words of advice for anybody who may be thinking about trying this and hasn't really done a lot of it yet? Well, you can just start out pretty much with a lot of things you already have. And I would say just give yourself license to try something that you haven't tried. Um, I hadn't tried the bobbin thread I had that extra bobbin. That's another thing is if you are going to do bobbin thread, you do need a separate bobbin case because you do have to mess with the tension and you don't want to mess with the tension on your regular bobbin case. Because you'll never get it back. You will never get it back. (laughs) But, you know, give yourself license to play and um, don't be afraid to to make a quote-unquote a mistake. Um, do it on a practice sheet, and then you're not ruining something that you know you may be working on, and just have fun. Before I forget, another question that I know listeners will ask is, how do you store your thread? Because some people say, don't put it out in the open because of dust or dryness. Mine's all out in the open, but... Uh, mine's in one of those cheap old plastic bins that have the drawers, and 
Of course, you probably go through yours fast enough that it's not on your shelf for any long period of time. Some, you know, some's a little older, but I do tend to go through thread pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I wait till there's a good sale (laughs) to go buy my thread. Yes. All right, and um, you do teach in the area, so all of my listeners who are in western New York, take note. (laughs) That is a possibility. And uh, I will post your contact information on the um, show notes of the episode so people know how to get hold of you. Are there any shows you're going to be in or any way that people can come see your work if they're interested coming up? Uh, Right now, I don't have any shows. Um, Just the fundraiser I'm having... um, for animal rescue, but um, you can feel free to talk more about that if you would like. Okay, well, I'll go to www.whiskerfest.com and all the details are there. It's July 30th and 31st, and every single penny goes to uh, an organization called Buffalo Paws and Claws, which is a local, no kill, not for profit. And they do amazing work, and they have a website also. Just Google Buffalo Paws and Claws, and it'll come up. And um, my Whiskerfest organization is just to raise funds for all local shelters. So we'll see. It's our first year. We're hoping <laughs> to make it a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. And um, there'll be some wonderful artists there. So uh, unfortunately, I've been so busy with that that I'm not in any shows this year. But if they're interested, um, email me. And I can show you some, some of my samples and... And for Whiskerfest, aren't you, um, one of the things that will be up for auction is a portrait? Yes, there'll be, um, you can put in for a kitty portrait or a puppy portrait of your own animal, all done in fabric and thread. That you have done. That I have done. I will ask you for a picture and I will physically make your your portrait. (laughs) And I've seen some of her portraits of various animal folk and they are all quite good. Thank you. (laughs) Especially the one of your cat. Peering through the sewing machine is a great one. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking your time to talk thank to you. me. Thank you. It was fun. Okay, and again, as I mentioned in the episode, I will be posting uh, Lauren's contact information and the uh, website for her upcoming webs. Uh, sorry, her upcoming Whiskerfest event uh, in the show notes to this episode. And um, I so enjoyed working with her. I hope those of you who are in the Western New York area, and I know I've got a bunch of listeners from around here uh, that want to set up classes, will consider setting up a class with her and attending the Whisker Fest event. As always, please do join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Flickr, and um, there's a bunch of new photos up there just in the last week or so. It's been a lot of fun. And again, I do always go and look at the photos. I don't always have the time to comment. So do know that I'm seeing that they are up there and appreciating them, even if I don't always get the chance to shoot a comment off to you. You can also join the uh, Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the Quiltcast Supergroup in Big Tent. We have a Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook page that we love to have you come visit and chat. Uh, and again, you can always check out my blog as well, the one that's separate from the show notes of this episode. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. You can follow me on Twitter, Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, or Gmail, Sandy Quilts, uh, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, at gmail.com. And as always, because most of you are listening to me while you're driving and you're not going to be able to remember all of that when you get back home, just go to quiltingfortherestofus.com and you can find it there. So until next week, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.